LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Steve Allen here. Coming up in an hour, I'll be in conversation with Nick Moran, who has strong opinions about Leicester Square's new look, and the lovely Richard Griffiths about his role in the Sunshine Boys. But first, here are my best bits from last week. We started off talking about afternoon tea after my lovely experience at the Dorchester. Kate in Harrow says, My neighbours and I went to afternoon tea at the Hilton on Park Lane. The bread was so fresh and the contents of the sandwich is delicious. When the tiered cake plate came, it looked like it was a round wooden board with fancy cakes and the wooden board was made of chocolate. We were given a selection of teas which were lovely. We booked it at the Barclay in August. Well, the, all the hotels do it in London. They all do it. And, and, and it's wonderful. It's, you don't do it very often. You don't do it very often. But, you know, but when you do do it, it's a nice... We were there for about three hours. <laughs> Long time for tea, wasn't it? On a, and then I sort of... Um, I drove Lou back to her, her car and then sort of sat in the, in the traffic trying to get out of London again. And you suddenly realise, even at seven o'clock at night, half past seven, the traffic is terrible. It really is. It's awful. But it was lovely. It was really, really nice. Lots, lots of people talking about, the, uh, about Eurovision and how awful it was. I mean, it, it was terrible. I mean, I just felt sorry for Engelbert. I laughed at Jedwood, though, because I'm, I'm like that, I'm afraid. I'm like that. Couldn't really help it. And uh, liked all the programmes about the Queen on over the weekend. Very, very pleased about that. And um, the Daily Mirror... Actually, a lot of the papers were covering BAFTA. And uh, what they were doing, they, they were, as they do all the time, they, they never concentrate on the actual award ceremony. What, what, what they concentrate on is what, what everybody was wearing. All the women. Who cares? I mean, for example, Lydia Bright. They say she looks like she could fall out of this dress. Nice frock, but the top gapes and the colour washes out even under her fake tan. She looked ridiculous. She looked... What were you doing there, Lydia, dear? What what were you doing? It's nothing to do with you. This is the BAFTA Awards. It's nothing to do with you. Stay at home. Look after... Because you're a businesswoman. Fern Cotton, I don't know what that look was, dear. I really don't know. Olivia Coleman, I've got no idea who you are. Apparently she's in something called Peep Show. And uh, and Louise Radnap, Redknapp, I mean, just... But why did you bother? What, what on earth were you wearing? I mean, the dress isn't the most flattering. The drop waist is the wrong for your shape. Did you look in the mirror when you went out? Or are you just horribly misshapen? Joanne Froggitt, the Downton Abbey star. That was OK. It was an emerald satin dress. Christiana Rianoff. What were you doing there, love? It's not for you. It's BAFTA, OK? Not for naff ice dancers. God, blimey. Amy Chuck. What were you doing there, Amy? And I'm sorry, that, that sort of hair piled on the... Uh, on the head look, not good for you, dear. Not good for you. Holly Willabooby always looks like she's about ready to climb into bed. I don't know why. Every, every single dress she's got emphasises her enormous bosom. And so she's, uh, she was wearing a vintage dress, which is all the more worrying when you think that she was standing next to Fern Cotton, who looked like a bin bag on legs. I mean, she just didn't look right at all. Sheridan Smith, bit of a drab outfit. Michelle Keegan, how you ever got all these, this newspaper coverage about the most gorgeous woman in the entire world? I've got no idea. I mean, you seriously look... Um, you've made no effort. You look about as naff as Amy Childs. Kelly Brook, as as I think Christo said... What were you doing there, dear? What were you, what were you doing, Kelly? It's not for you, love. OK? You haven't had work for the past God knows how... You just do photo opportunities. Uh, Amelia Fox, Kate Ford. It's OK. Natalie Gumedi. She's the Coronation Street. I'm sorry, I don't know who she is. Davina McCall, quite nice. Miranda Hart, not really a lot Paul Miranda can wear. Catherine Kelly and uh, Alex Jones. I mean, it's BAFTA, dear. It's not for you, OK? Not for you. Uh, Cheryl Cole, with a C, says she wants to start a family. I would have loads of kids. Be helpful if you could find a man, wouldn't it, I suppose? Unless you can manage it by yourself, which you probably can. And uh, how lovely. The hen party to end all hen parties. Rochelle Wiseman and Una Healy is big night out. It was ghastly. Rochelle. You know, R- Rochelle is the one I'm all like that. You know? Bit, bit, uh, bit, you know, like that. What? Anyway, Mylene Class gave them all a gift of her naff nails. Have you seen these adverts on the television for the stick-on nails from Mylene Class? They, 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 they flog them for 20 quid, so if she was giving them away, she must get them for free, so she's given away free samples. You get 120 stick-on things, and, and it's because... But then you throw them away. You take them off and you throw them away. OK, so what's the point of them? It's Mylene Class. I can't wait to see Mylene Class next time around. But anyway, Rochelle was out there. What? 
We shall. Because she's quite nice. And uh, why did I why did I save this one here? Oh, this uh, Britain's fattest teenager ballooned to 63 stone after a heartbreaking love split early this year. No, she didn't. She was fat at 15. And then she went to the boot camp. And then she came back. She went, oh, it's lovely. And then they suddenly realised she might have to get off a fat bottom and work. And they went, oh, we better start eating again, love. We need to make some money in this family. So they sell the story... They put her on the television. Now she's so fat, she can't go on television, but they're still selling stories about her. As somebody said the other day, this child should be taken away from her mother. I know it sounds a bit harsh, but the mother is the, is the idiot in this relationship. She's feeding her, her daughter, who can't get out of bed, and making her fat. 63 stone. She's going to be dead. She's been told, the front pages of the papers, whether or not that's true or not, you know, unless you lose 50 stone, you're going to die. I mean, how much more plain can we make it? We had a rant about it on Sunday morning, and I haven't changed my opinion at all. Yes, Petrock Trelawney was arrested in Zimbabwe. I heard that on the news. He's currently in prison. I'm not sure he'll like it very much indeed. We heard Petrock speak. He's terribly, terribly posh. He used to wear corduroy trousers at LBC. <laughs> and uh, he was... He, he, I forget where Petrock came from. He actually came to LBC from, from somewhere, and, and they tried it. The trouble is, he was so posh. He sounded so posh that it, didn't, um, it, it, it didn't, didn't quite sort of work, really, for LBC. So he kept sort of shunting the poor soul around. And then he went from here to a, a station, I think Viking Radio in Hull, where he must have really sounded out of place. But he was appearing in Zimbabwe, but he didn't have a work permit, so they arrested him. So he's, he's languishing in prison at the moment. Presumably the Foreign Office will be sorting it out. Uh, one here says, fire in a warehouse... And uh, not too sure about that. Right next to the Blackwall Tunnel northbound entrance. I think they're going to close it, the tunnel. It's a large warehouse on fire. Lots of smoke, says uh, Eddie. Thank you, that. Uh, I've heard they're very traditional on The Only Way is Essex. When it comes to makeup, they keep it authentic. Essex style and use concrete. Well, actually, we were sitting having afternoon tea in Epping High Street on Saturday afternoon with the kids. And we're all sitting there, and my, my oldest goddaughter is six. Dean now, and we didn't see anybody who looked like anything from The Only Way is Essex, and we're right in the heart of Essex. Nobody, but nobody in Epping High Street looks at all, as a few few chavs wandering from Walthamstone, Leightonstone, but you can spot them a mile off, you know, because they just look real chavvy. But there was nobody who looked like any of the girls from The Only Way is Essex, presumably because they're all stuck in Brentwood, poor souls, and, uh, and Brentwood is obviously chav capital. Because they like to think they're all terribly posh, but they're not really. They're not. But the, but the funniest thing was Arge. I've got to go back to it because it, it just struck me as being so terrible. Arge, who's got no friends at all. I mean, he's got nobody. He's, he's, I mean, he's really got no friends. So he's sitting all alone, nursing a drink. And this, and this friend of his comes in and Arge starts bullying him. You know, he says, listen, I hear you, you've been texting my ex. And he said, yeah. He's texting Lydia, who's like, grateful to find anybody, I should imagine. You wait till they meet the mother. My God, they'll be out there so fast. And so, so there's this bloke sitting opposite Arge, and, and Arge is saying, why are you texting my ex? And, and the bloke is sort of trying to say, well, listen, you know, we've been texting backwards and forwards for ages. What's it got to do with you? Mind your own business, fat boy. And so, consequently, he's sitting there, and Arge is laying into him, and Arge, in the, in the end, Arge loses and gets up and walks out. And I felt like saying, it's your ex. And he says to him, he said, you knew she's... He said, you know that she's my ex. And I felt like saying to him, I'm sorry, what is it about the word ex you're not quite understanding? You're not going out with her. What's it going to do with you, fat boy? Not interested. She's naff. You're naff. But it was when he sort of walked out that I quite liked, actually. Uh, Matthew says, I hope it will rain today. It will. That is the rain forecast for today. It's going to be isolated, heavy and thundery showers developing in the late afternoon. Dry and sunny this morning, very warm. And then this afternoon, heavens open. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Uh, somebody else in the, uh, the paper today, actually they, they, they were talking about, do you remember that advert? I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Oh, what? They've recreated it again, but with the original two. The Secret Lemonade Drinker ad was made in 1973 and ran for ten years. Musician Elvis Costello's dad, Ross McManus, wrote and sang the original jingle, but the new song is I'm a Secret Lemonade Liquor. Uh, actor Julian Chagrin was found in Israel, but Harriet Phillips was only located in Ireland after her son spotted a newspaper uh, appeal. Julian, 72, says it's amazing. So they've recreated it. I've seen a number of people doing that advert, though. I thought there were a few people who'd actually done it. I could be wrong. 
but I thought there was somebody else as well. Uh, Holly Willoughby, as I say, on the front of a few of the papers today. She's very pretty, you know, but she does look like she's about to climb into bed. And then, and, and she's a bit, you know, she's tried everything on The Voice to try and get an audience, you know. She's tried sort of, you know, being girl next door, being all bubbly, but unfortunately the audience are turning off in droves. And uh, it's, it's just not working. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think it, it's, it's not working because it's such a bad programme. You know, not helped, I'm afraid. Not helped by, um, by Cheryl Cole the other day, if anything. I mean, I've got more people turning off. Uh, there's a girl here, she just gets photographed with all celebrities. She's quite clearly got no life whatsoever. Sarah M. spends her t- spare time patrolling her Los Angeles hometown in search of Hollywood's finest. And for some reason, she ended up with Jedwood. What were they doing in Los What were they doing in Los Angeles? Trying to get a job working or parking cars or something. But she's got everybody from Ashton Kutcher to Kim Kardashian, Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber, Lenny Kravitz, uh, Katy Perry, Jesse J, Russell Brand, Lindsay Lohan. It's just, a, just her with the stars. That's all it is, really. It's not really that exciting, but it uh, but it fills up a little bit of a uh, little bit of stuff in the papers. I see that uh, Paul Gascoigne claims he's not touched alcohol in twelve months, but he's now taken up Botox. He's now having Botox. Oh, and the good news, the good news. Um, Laura Johnson has been sent to prison. Do you remember Laura Johnson? Come on, you must remember Laura Johnson. Laura Johnson was that thicko who went out rioting, driving people around. She was driving the looters around. They sent her to prison for two years. Whoopee! Fantastic. She's the so-called millionaire's daughter, the tycoon's daughter. Shame they didn't bring her up properly. She obviously thought she was being really big and really clever, and then she blamed it on all sorts of things, but luckily they... Had... Sorry? Yeah, she thought she was being cool. She, what she was doing, she, she was driving these people around, and... Um, she claims she'd been forced to drive at knife point. Unfortunately, she's a liar. And so she's gone to prison for two years. Whoopee! I couldn't have been happier, actually, because when this idiotic buffoon turned up in court with her parents there, because, you know, you've got to turn up with your parents because you're an embarrassment, and she was an embarrassment, I felt exactly the same sort of hatred against her as, um, as that uh, rock star's son from Cambridge who swung on the cenotaph. I felt as, as disgusted by her, as I did with him as well. The judge says you were excited by what was perceived as the thrill of uh, Okabuto's world. This is one of the uh, people in the car that she was seen for. I mean, she's quite a bit stupid. But uh, two years, give she won't do two years, which is a shame, isn't it? You know, she'll do... But anyway, perhaps she'll come out and try and be a better person and not start hanging around with silly little girls' blouses who think it's good. I was so pleased that when that came through, I I let out a silent whoop to myself. I went whoop, like that. A bit like a whoop. Uh, it's like, you know, when I opened up the Sunday papers and I was I was right again when I, I actually predicted that the fat girl would be in all the papers. And she was. They've sold the stories again. But as all the uh, all the columnists are telling me, that's what the family do. They sell stories about the fat daughter. Whereas, in fact, really what she needs is to get away from that family as fast as possible and lose weight. But she's got to want to do it. You know, if she wants to eat herself, I couldn't care less. If she wants to eat herself to death. That's her business. She's not in my family. Not in your family. Nobody's family. It's up to her and her mum to sort it out. But take her away from the mother. Take her away from the food. Get her working. She's 19. She didn't work. She does not work. And I think that's disgraceful in this day and age. Absolutely disgraceful. Harsh words, but I mean it in a caring way, obviously. Well, let's take a quick break, after which I tell you about a very strange programme I found on American television. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. The story of Georgia Davis was still all over the papers on Tuesday morning, but this time she's planning on being healthier. Yeah, right. The fat bird who's in hospital and now on the 2,000-calorie-a-day diet uh, and has the title Britain's Fattest Teen is going to be a bit worried when she loses the weights because all of a sudden she'll just be ordinary like the rest of us and then she'll have to get a job and then we take her benefits away. You know, and that's and that's the day I shall be very happy because there's too many of these people. So she, she's now on a two thousand pound, uh, sorry, a two thousand calorie a day diet, and uh, she's eating uh, fruit. Her parents are feeding her fresh fruit. 
See how long that lasts. See how long that lasts. You know, if it, if it works, it works. Everybody says, oh, you know, she knows she's got to do it and it's right. And um, and so she's been fed fruit at the Prince Charles Hospital in Merthyr Tidville. And she's on a 2,000 calorie a day diet. Well, that's great. That's great. She won't like it, of course, because she likes all the fat food. It's not an illness she's got. She just stuffs her face. So she'll be waiting to get out and have sandwiches and toast. Again. Oh, yes, we've decided to bring her in fruit. It's nice, isn't it? I hope it blooming well works. Because I turned on the telly this morning... And there's a programme about fat people in America, and I mean morbidly obese people. There was one woman, it was just disgusting. I mean, it really, it was, it was even more disgusting than you can possibly think of. This woman looked like she had a giant swimming pool around her waist, which moved from side to side. It was, in fact, her fat. And she had a boyfriend, and eventually they managed to get her out, out the bed and into a, this giant wheelchair, and he pushed her down the road to the takeaway Mexican and so she sat there. They, didn't, they obviously didn't want her in the restaurant because she's a bad advert. So they made her eat it on top of an old dustbin outside, <laughs> which kind of suited her fine. And uh, and she was and I thought she's going to be complaining about the size because I hadn't I, I didn't know what the program was about. I thought she was going to be complaining about how difficult it is. I mean, she was puffing and wheezing and sort of doing usual things like you know, oh, I can hear the birds singing. I thought, oh, good, well, you're not deaf then, so that's quite handy. And and it then turned out she was deliberately eating to make herself fat because the boyfriend liked fat birds. And and then we were introduced to a whole a whole platter of fat birds whose boyfriends all liked them fat. Apparently, it's a sex thing. A sex thing. Can you imagine a sex thing? I've never even thought about it before. But apparently, all the boyfriends would go, oh, I really like that. And they like being sat on by, by fat women. Oh, dear. It was a bit of a worry. And they were all ugly. They were all ugly birds. All really... F- and they could be so pretty. But they liked being fat. And, they, and, the, and, and the men who go after them are called chubby chasers. And, and they wear a lot of corduroy. And, they're, they're, and, and, they're, and I think the women are called feeders or something like that. It's horrible. At one point, this woman had a tube into her throat. And they're pouring in drinks. And it was disgusting. It, I, I felt so ill, I turned it over. It's the first time I've ever felt ill watching a television programme. But it was about all these fat women. That's probably the equivalent for women with fat men. And they go out there. And these people deliberately eat because they like being fat. They like the feeling of being fat. So when this uh, this fat teen here, Britain's fattest teen, shortly to be Britain's thinnest teen. Oh, she's going to be so upset, isn't she? You can just tell it's her little badge. I was Britain's fattest teen. Oh, were you, dear? That's nice. Because there's another bloke here. This is Russell Parkin, 41. He's 40 stone. And he was trapped in his home for eight hours and then had to be rescued by 17 firefighters and medics. Took 15 men to lift him, and two doors in the block had to be removed so he can be squeezed outside to a reinforced ambulance screened by a tarpaulin so neighbours couldn't see him. Why not? You're fat. We know you're fat. We know you're vastly overweight. What do you mean so the neighbours can't see you? I don't understand this, so the neighbours can't... They did exactly the same for this sort of Britain's fattest teen, Georgia Davis. They, they held screens up so you couldn't see how fat she... She's been on television showing you how fat she is. Why would you bother hiding something like that? The other day, we had the case of a, of a child who'd been locked in what could be described as a cell by his uh, parents. And to be honest with you, I, I, I couldn't quite... I mean, I understood, you know, parents who do this because they've they, they quite clearly got sort of strange issues. It's either with race or religion or something like that. And in this particular case, I think they're Muslim. And the only reason I thought they were Muslim, the, the parents have not been identified... Why? I've got no idea. You do something horrendous to a child and you've not been identified. I, I mean, it's, I, I thought it was a little bit, uh, a little bit strange. But they, but they put the daughter up on screen, but you could quite clearly see she was wearing a headscarf. She was, she was sort of pixelated, but even pixelated, I thought, you're wearing a headscarf. So, quite, so why, why, why can't they be identified? What's the reason? They were found guilty. They've actually been sent, sent to prison for two years. Jigsaw identification would name the child who is protected. Oh, I see. So because they don't want to... But they've all but given you the clue to who the child is because they've said the child has just been made a form monitor or something. And you think, well, there's not going to be many schools around Blackpool, are there, where where nobody's going to know this. They're going to go, oh, that's so-and-so over there. You know, the withdrawn child who was locked up by his parents. Two years, though, doesn't seem very much, does it, for child cruelty. 
You only get slightly more for murder nowadays. We, we did love it the other day. We had another psychic on the television. Ali Ross has talked about You know we love psychics. The Barmy crew. You know what they're like. Mm, yeah, it's just, just give me... Anyway, so they had, they had a woman on there, and he says, even I had to, th- had, had to suspend disbelief for a second when Essex psychic Jane Wallace attempted to guess the identity of a mystery celebrity just by handling their watch on this morning. Yes, it's female. Okay, now listen. Now listen. Listen to this very, very carefully. Okay, because this is what's called flannel. Okay, this would apply to lots of you. Yes, it's female. She's creative. She's she's passionate. She's driven. She's not flamboyant. She's very sophisticated. She's very loyal. With her, what you see is what you get. She's she's a writer. She's she's grounded, and she's secure. So come on, Philip, tell us who she is. She's 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 Lionel Blair. What? Exit, Jane Wallace. Go home, stay home, don't go out ever again. Too balmy for words, I'm afraid. We love an old we love an old psychic, don't we? They come up with any old rubbish. So there you go. She's passionate, she's driven, she's not flamboyant, she's very sophisticated, she's very loyal. With her, what you see is what you get. It's called flannel. That's called whitewalling. That's called let's come up with everything. She's not too tall, she's not too short. Watch watch that crook Derek Acora on the television. And he he he'll go, I've I've got a Yes, all right, Sam. Because he talks to his spirit guide, Sam, because he's so he's so ingratiated, and the audience are as stupid as he is. Uh, Sam's. T- I've, I've got a woman here, and you think, okay, you've got a woman here. He doesn't know anything about this woman at all. He quite clearly can't see her. Well, of course he can't because he's made it all up anyway. Because it just it, it gets money at the audience. Okay, I've got this this woman here. She's 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 not too tall. He doesn't know a name or anything. And so gradually, through a process of elimination, has somebody passed over recently? Um, have any of you in the audience? Of course they have. That's why they're there. They want you to talk to their dear dead relatives. Uh, it's you, love, isn't it? It's you, love. It goes like this. He's, he's very patronising and very oily and creepy. And, of course, it's all fake from start to finish. And he goes, she's, she's here now. She's saying it's all right. She's not saying anything like that at all. What she's saying is, I'm in hell and I'm burning, OK? And it's really awful. And by the way, I never liked you as children. You were vile, you know. You drove me to an early grave, damn you. And all that kind of rubbish. But, of course, they don't say that, do they? Because old Derek's trying to whisk up a, a little bit of interest in his, uh, in his act. And that's exactly what it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's an act. I did notice in the paper today, and I'm sorry to report, that Jerry Halliwell is not going to be a judge on The X Factor. That's a bit of a show. Sorry to ruin your day. I know it's Tuesday and all that, and you're probably thinking, oh, well, if, if it rains later, like Rupert Bartia predicted, like he did yesterday, and, uh, and, and Jerry Halliwell didn't get it. And the reason she hasn't got any chemistry with the other three judges, I hate to tell you this, she's got no chemistry with anybody. She really hasn't. She's a little lonely person. You know, just her and that little dog she took round with her everywhere, and then she dumped that on her mother because she couldn't be bothered to walk round with it anymore. And um, the, the regular judges, Gary Barlow, Louise Walsh and Talisa would all like Sharon Osbourne back. No, 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 they don't. They'll have anybody. They'd have a talking chimpanzee rather than Jerry Halliwell. So what they've said is, Simon, please, please don't make us beg. Please don't make us beg, but get rid of Jerry Halliwell. OK, because she doesn't know what she's talking about. Actually, I got, I got angry the other day. I shouldn't have got angry. I don't, I don't get angry very often. I'm going around Northfield Market. OK, which, I mean, you don't get angry walking around Northfield. You just marvel at how many chavs you can get into one place. I mean, it really is chav central. It's God, it's, if you've done anything like it, there's more women with tattoos than you've ever seen in your entire life. Anyway, so there's this girl walking around with her mother and father. I mean, they were the Chav family. And this girl is holding a little tiny dog. This dog can't have been any more than... It was a, I think it was a little toy poodle. And she's holding it up against her. This thing, I mean, it didn't, it, it didn't look more than, you know, a month old. In this boiling hot heat... And you think, now, shall I call the police and have these people arrested for animal cruelty? Or do I call the RSPCA? Because this do- these dogs hydrate. You don't take dogs out. Even my friend Michael, who's got loads of dogs, said, we, we don't take them out in the heat. It's too much. They sit there and they pant. Went out with a friend's dog on Sunday. And every so often, the dog had to lie down in the grass because it was nice and cool. And we're going, come on, come on, Lou, come on. Because the, t- the dog's called Lou, surprisingly. And come on, Lou. And she just sat there thinking, I'm not moving, it's cool, I haven't got the energy. So to see this girl taking this little... Uh, people go, oh, isn't that nice? Nice little puppy, isn't it? And I'm thinking, it's going to be dead by the time you get home. People have got no idea, have they? They're just so balmy bonkers, I'm afraid. The whiplash capital is, uh, is I think, Liverpool. One in every 50 residents make compensation claims. 
They're all bogus, of course. You can never prove whiplash. That's why it's it's Liverpool, because it's, you know, it's the bent capital up north, I'm afraid. Nothing you could do about it. You go up to Liverpool to revisit your hubcaps. It's where all the scally thieves are, isn't it, up in Liverpool? And they all claim for whiplash as well. They go, because, you know, oh, my neck. Oh, can't move my neck. Can't move my neck. A bit like that up there. It's a bit like Brookside, only with, only with neck braces. You know, and you, you know how exciting that was, trying to watch people acting their way through Brookside. One of my favourite soaps, incidentally. The more people they can bury under the patio, the happier I am. You know, dig up the patio, stick another one underneath. Uxbridge in London was also named as one of the worst places in Britain for whiplash claims, which I think says it all, really. Coming up at six, I'm in conversation with Nick Moran, who talks about his love of short films, and Richard Griffiths talking about his role in Harry Potter, The History Boys, and my personal favourite, Pie in the Sky. But first, the headlines at 5.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back. We started Thursday with some excellent news for Leicester Square. They've just spent 15 million quid on it. How you can justify 15 million? Seriously, I looked at it, I thought, that's 15 million quid. Apparently, the, the granite squares have been brought in from China. All the granite slabs that they brought. They didn't even know the word granite. I mean, haven't we got any granite in this go? I'd have to bring it in from China. Leicester Square, heart of London, and it's propped up by the Chinese. Lovely. Anyway, so they've decided to ban, at the moment, the street artists. Thank God for that. What a bunch of degenerates. Oh, ghastly. Ghastly. You know, they've all got their little pictures, which were done about 1,500 years ago, round there. You can have a caricature done. You know, do you know how much they pay for a licence? Apparently they pay 500 quid a month. Shows how much money there is in it. Fleecing, sorry, helping tourists relieve them of their money. You know, would you like to go home with a caricature? Don't think so, no. And so they sit down there and they draw... And it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. What with them and those bloody living statues? There's one woman down there and she... I mean, they're just rubbish. They're the biggest pile of rubbish. Covent Garden, there's a proliferation of these, these naff people. They really are. They all come from Ponder's End, which is kind of where most naff people come from nowadays. And so, and they all go there, and they're either dressed up as a, you know, a Roman centurion. He's just a wee bit too camp to have ever been a Roman centurion. There's a bloke who masquerades as a dog hiding under a table, you know, which appeals to children. And what else? There's a woman who sort of sprayed herself brown. I think she's supposed to look like a chocolate, you know, the kind of thing you find on a cake or something, or whatever it is. It's rubbish. It's absolutely... They all stand there, staring into the distance. There's no effort involved in it whatsoever. It's not... They do it all over... The, wherever you go around the world, you'll find them. At the Vatican, they're outside. You go to Paris, they're all over the blooming place. You go to Las Vegas, you see them walking down the street, chatting away with a fag in their hand, you know, can of Red Bull in the other. And then they just sort of set up their pitch and then just... Completely immobile. Just like that. Do nothing. They do nothing. So we've got to get rid of them and the pavement artists and anybody who juggles, rides a unicycle, busks, you know, drags people out of the audience, audience participation. Keep the magicians, but get rid of all the other rubbish. Any old Tom, Dick and Harry can juggle, for goodness sake. It's not clever. Do it with chainsaws. That's what I think. Do it with chainsaws. Lighted candles is fairly popular as well. But, uh, but they're all rubbish. And they're just, it's like Covent Garden. You know, people go, ooh, like that. Because I've all had a drink. Ooh. They watch the people coming in to do the juggling. So I'm delighted that the Westminster Council decided to get rid of these, these naff people, the pavement artists. I mean, dear God, they're rubbish. They really are. Most of them seem to be Chinese, actually. Up by uh, Piccadilly Circus, a lot of Chinese artists. Because I love Chinese writing. I'm fascinated by Chinese writing. But as opposed to wasting their quite considerable talents on doing caricatures, why don't they just do nice Chinese pictures? You know, chrysanthemums or, you know, just, just something nice. I'd buy that. We watched a guy when we went to... Where did we go to? I can't remember. Me and the, the godchildren, the parents, we went off to... I can't remember. Where, where was that ghastly place that's full of volcanoes that we didn't like? No, not Pompeii. No, vol- this is a whole island full of volcanoes. It was ghastly. It was, it was a horrible, horrible place. Don't ever go there. It's vile. It's full of vile Brits wearing football shirts and tattoos. And that's just the women... Horrible place. And um, 
I can't remember where it is now. Somebody will tell me in a moment. And, uh, and we go there, and they've got a, a pavement artist, but he's doing spray paints. He does spray paint. And so he puts a can down and sprays around it. And they're all sort of artistic. And people were paying, like, 20 quid. It, I don't think... No, it wasn't the Canary Islands. Where was it? It was... Oh, I've, I've had it at the tip of my tongue a minute ago. Somebody will tell me, because I've complained about it bitterly on the programme. And uh, he was doing all these nice sort of spray painting. And people were queuing up to buy them. And, I mean, he must have made, you know, a couple of hundred quid in about an hour. Which isn't bad going, is it? Don't ever feel sorry for these people. They're making a small fortune. A small fortune. So uh, if, if you are one of those artistes, where are you going to go now? All they've done is they've just gone round the corner. They've gone round the corner to Trafalgar Square. They're just, uh, they're, they're a blight on the landscape of London. So I, I quite agree. Uh, one of the artists said, uh, when, when they started clearing up the square, we were given a letter saying uh, once it's complete, we would move back. But we haven't seen anything so far. Artists are part of Leicester Square. No, you're not. No, you're not. You've just moved in in recent years. I remember the time there was nothing like you in Leicester Square. You're not part of Leicester Square. What you've done is you've discovered another area to fleece, sorry, to collect money from tourists. That's all it is. It's rubbish. You don't want stuff like that. Go away. Go, 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 go away. I like artists. Genuine artists. Stay at home. Do the pictures. Sell them, you know, properly in art galleries. Sit on the pavement doing blooming caricatures. It's ridiculous. And I tell you, I've, I've driven round it now three times. In the last week, I think I've passed it three times. And what the heck are they doing to... Um, Shepherd's Bush? I mean, admittedly, the drunks have got nowhere to go now, and you do get a lot of drunks on Shepherd's Bush Green. In fact, it is the biggest proliferation next to Twickenham Riverside, I'm afraid. And so you've got loads of people sitting around. Now they've dug up the whole green. And from what I can see, they don't appear to be doing anything. I don't, I don't know what they're doing down here. I have no idea, you know, whether they're re-turfing it, whether they're putting in a children's playground. I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea. If anybody can enlighten me on that one, I'd be very grateful. Because I'm, I'm quite... Uh, sounds like Canvey Islands. No, it's not Canvey Islands. It's some foreign place, isn't it? Is it part of Spain? It's... Um, oh, dear. It's the whole... The volcanoes run all the way down the middle of this island. And the whole place is volcanic. There's no sort of proper beaches. It's all volcanic ash everywhere. Ghastly place. It really is horrible. I know it sounds like Canvey Islands. But actually, some parts of Canvey Island are quite nice. Quite nice. Uh, loads of your texts and emails, which we will go through. Uh, Angela says, do you know, you seem to make the dullest of subjects sound interesting. I know, it's a gift. It's a gift, I think. She says, only you can make root canal surgery sound interesting. But uh, anyway, you mentioned the Bee Gees walking out of the interview, so she sent me a, a clip of it. And uh, Mr Anderson, this is Clive Anderson, who upset the Bee Gees so much so, I mean, he perhaps he thought he was being clever. Um, he should be ashamed of himself, trying to make himself sound humorous by humiliating and having nasty digs. And uh, it, it was terrible. I think they actually sat there and they, they sort of did it for the first bit and then they thought, no, we're not going to sit here and listen to this rubbish from this stupid little fat man. And so they got up and walked out and made him look very stupid. Made him look very stupid indeed. So I was quite pleased about that. We also couldn't remember yesterday on the programme who the very, very camp man was on Dickinson's Real Deal. He's Ian Towning. Thank you, Wayne and Wallington, for that one. Ian Towning. He's, he's the one who's, who's about the most honest out of all the antique dealers on there, and some of them are a bit dodgy, let's say, and he's covered... That's it, Lanzagrotti. Lanzagrotti, yes. Thank you, Ian. In Surbiton. What a ghastly place. What a ghastly, horrible place. <gasps> From the moment we got off the plane at the airport, we looked at it and thought, my God, this is going to be rubbish, and we won't prove wrong. Wouldn't be going back there again in a hurry, let's face it. The whole island is volcanic, so down the middle of the island, you can see volcanoes. And... All over the place, there's no, there's no sand, it's all volcanic grit. And it's just awful. It is just awful. I mean, it's just, it's an awful place. And, and we don't want to go there ever again. Anyway, so that was, that's, it's full of horrible Brits. You don't want to go to a place where all the Brits are, do you? So anyway, so Ian, who is the, uh, the antiques expert, this is uh, Ian Towning. He's got to be the campus man I've ever seen on television. Next to David Dickinson. He's got to be the campus man. This man has got more rings on his fingers. I mean, it, it's, it makes Liberace look like he wasn't trying. And he's just... And he, but he's so honest about everything. You, you get the feeling you could trust him with anything. Because out of all of them, he comes over the most honest. And I'm delighted to say, so far, uh, ITV have left him alone. Because, you know, normally with things like that, they go, right, let's give you a series. And most of them, the attention seekers, go, oh, I'll do a series, a bit like Peter Andre. We suddenly worked out this morning why, why Peter Andre is the way he is, because the programme's aimed at children. It's not aimed at adults. It's not, it's, it's not for us. 
I've suddenly realised I've been watching a children's programme. It's like at the moment, I turned on the television the other day and they're showing on, I think, the BBC. Uh, they're showing Prank Patrol, but Australian Prank Patrol. What's that? I mean, have they bought the programme cheaply or something? It's rubbish. It's a, it's, it's a slightly ancient children's presenter and, uh, and he talks like that because he's Australian and, uh, and he sort of turns up and you get little girls and little boys who are probably aged about, I don't know, 12, something like that, and they prank their friends, so they set up a prank. They did it over here, but we did it with Barney Haywood, who's now one of the Blue Peter presenters. You remember Blue Peter? The programme has now disappeared completely. You know, at one time, the icon, the bastion of children's television, and now, now nothing at all. It's all disappeared, and Barney used to do his prank patrol, because at the moment they appeared not to, well, at the time, they appeared not to have anybody else who could do children's television, so they stuck him on everything. And uh, on one of the programmes, he does things about dangerous fish, and he's presenting it with his girlfriend, so it becomes incestuous as well. And, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, to be quite honest with you, I mean, there's, there's so much rubbish on the television nowadays, isn't there? You see, I mean, even worse, Dick and Dom, the only act with two... Well, certainly not Doms. And um, and you sort of watch them and you think to yourself, you know, I don't really know what you can do about them, actually. Drowning, I thought, originally when I first saw them. Strangely enough, uh, Dom, who's different from Dick, because uh, Dom, Dom is the one, that's Dominic, whatever his name is. He's actually quite a good magician. The other one had a bit of an altercation some years ago where he inadvertently met a girl in a nightclub and had to pay her money so she could get home. That was how the story ran in the newspapers. But anyway, they, they, they tried to give Dick and Dom, because it, it was working, and then they tried to turn them into Ant and Deck, and that's when it all went wrong for children's television. Because if you're in children's television, you're kind of in a world by yourself. You're a little bubble, and you can't, you can't go anywhere, because they, it's, the only person who's ever made it properly is Philip Schofield. Philip, Philip Schofield, you know, and Gordon the Gopher... All very funny indeed. Um, and then he killed Gordon the Gopher off and we all went, ooh, that was a bit of a shame because it's quite nice to have something associated with children's television. So Dick and Dom tried everything. They, 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 they tried being rude. And it's just a bit sad to watch two middle-aged men now trying to be funny. I mean, admittedly, some of it is actually quite funny. Some of it, it does make me smile. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with them per se. I just think that they were trying too hard. And there's no point in trying to run before you haven't quite learnt to walk. So they gave them all sorts of different programmes. Some of them were sort of bordering on the adult sort of stuff. And that didn't work. And so they, they've almost but disappeared now. I don't know where they go. Normally, most of these sort of people on, on the television turn up doing uh, kids shows, doing live entertainment shows. But I don't, know, I don't know what they do. They did lots of things where there were little vignettes, where they dress up as puppets, where they've got their heads in their little hands and they've got funny little voices. Some of that was actually quite inspired. But, I mean, I should imagine they were all filmed years ago. But a uh, bit of a shame, really. Because it, it, it's not the same children's television. It's certainly not, not, not as it was. Terry the Pieman, Lanzarotti. And, uh, and John in Clerkenwell Green, Lanzarotti, Steve or Tenerife. I've never been to Tenerife. It was, it was Lanzagrotti. We did go to Lanzagrotti. Oh, good. oh, they've sorted out the problem with the tube uh, trains. They're, they're going to get about £1,000 because, of course, it's just it's such a strain to be a tube driver, you know, during the Olympics. They're going to give them about an extra £1,000. I'm hoping myself for about an extra three grand. Based on the assumption I'm going to have to walk through Leicester Square with lots of people, it's going to be very stressful for me. I'm not sure I can actually cope with the stress. So I've asked for a bit of extra money. Horrible feeling I'm not going to get it. And don't forget, this weekend, it's the flotilla of boats going down the Thames. They're going to clear all the rubbish barges off. You know, because you've got these rubbish barges all over the place, so there's bound to be somebody who sort of jumps in the uh, in the Thames and everything else. The Queen will be sitting there going down the river, being rowed. I quite like the idea of being rowed down the Thames. It's a bit rough, though, that water, so they better be pretty good people. I'm sure they will be. And to be honest with you, come on, hands up, everybody. Hands up. Who gives a stuff about whether they've taken the, the VAT off pasties or not? The only people who care are students. All the rest of you in the real world couldn't give a forex, could you? So much coverage about the pasty tax U-turn last week, but I don't think it really affects most people. It's not the last we'll hear about it, though, I'm sure. Well, let's take a quick break, after which we'll talk about the Jubilee weekend. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. 
Welcome back. So, today is the Royal River Pageant for the Jubilee, and there's full coverage throughout the day here on LBC 97.3. But all last week, people were making predictions about what people were doing to celebrate. So excited, because this weekend is Jubilee weekend. Lots of parties everywhere. Riverboats, obviously covering it. It's going to be fantastic. It's wonderful. And an entrepreneurial idea from Kim, who says, open a wheelchair for hire by the hour shop in Leicester Square for the elderly. You'll be even richer than all the other presenters say you are. I know, they do say that, don't they? I don't know why they're so jealous. There's something the matter with them, I don't know. I constantly get it. Uh, Nice to see uh, lots of union flags out in Twickenham and Teddington. It's a shame that many have flown upside down. Well, to be honest with you, I don't think people care nowadays whether they're flown upside down, backwards or sideways. It's a bit difficult when you're flying something and it's the only way you can put it up there is, uh, is with the holes that are actually pre-put in it. But everybody's buying the bunting from the pound shop because it's a pound for like 20 feet of, of Union Jacks and you just hang them up all over the place. And that's what a lot of the shops have done, which is very good. There are no bins for people to throw rubbish on the London Underground. That's why the tubes are so filthy. They should put some blooming bins out. Yes, well, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't travel on the underground very often. The bu- all the buses I get on, 99% are clean. 99% are clean. It's just the trains coming into London in the morning, although they are like cattle class, aren't they? <gasps> dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, Neil and Lorraine. It's a picture. Is it a picky? Oh, that's, pr- oh, that's Covent Garden, isn't it? Oh, wow, they've done well with all the, uh, all the union flags. That's, that's quite nice. I like seeing them. I do like I feel very patriotic. I mind you, I feel patriotic all the time. I am I'm a born patriot, me. I love stuff like that. Thank you for that, Neil. Very nice indeed. And uh, one says, I'm listening to you in uh, Dominica. Or Domini- Is that Dominica? It used to be a great song called Dominica, Nica, Nicola, Bledo, Supplement, And it was the singing nun. And the singing nun had a documentary made about her because it was quite tragic. It was quite a tragic story, The Singing Nun, whose only hit single was Dominica. Go onto the internet and check it out. I used to wake at four o'clock in London just to hear you make my day. It's now 11.30, says Maria, and I'm having a laugh. Well, there you go, you see. We like people like that. And uh, Mike says, I spent most of yesterday afternoon having lunch and getting squiffy and Joe Allen's. It's good in there, isn't it? It is, yes. <laughs> and Phil says, can you remind people the way around the Union flag goes? A bar in Clapham High Street has flags, and I'm sure they're the wrong way around. Well, listen, I wouldn't, listen, if you're going into a bar and worrying about the way the flags are, you, you need serious help. That's serious help. The amazing benefits, ladies and gentlemen, of, um, of, uh, of uh, lemon juice. And uh, lemon juice here, they say now it's an antiseptic and it can uh, aid heartburn, bloating, belching. The bowels are aided as well. Uh, relieving heartburn, a teaspoonful of lemon juice for liver complaints. The juice of a lemon should be taken in a glass of hot water one hour before breakfast every morning. To relieve asthma, a tablespoon of lemon juice one hour before each meal. For rheumatism, one or two ounces of lemon juice diluted in water. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Uh, And that's three times a day, one hour before mealtimes and at bedtime. In case of hemorrhage, lemon juice diluted in water and taken as cold as possible will stop it. And scurvy is treated by giving one or two ounces of lemon juice diluted with water every two hours to four hours. And uh, it, it seems to be good for just about everything. There is nothing that lemon juice cannot cure. It's very good if you've got uh, a scurvy. They used to take it on board ship, of course. A bit like limes. They would pack a lot of stuff in lime juice and lemon juice. And even though, you, I mean, I, I have a goddaughter who can suck lemons. She loves sucking lemons. You sort of cut a lemon in half and she'll, she'll eat it like an orange. You go, oof, God. It's not even like grapefruit, is it? Not even like grapefruit. It's the kind of thing you get. Oh dear, I'm not sure about that. Now, yesterday, yesterday on the program, we did a we did a lot of lot of discussing about marmalade because it turns out kids are not buying marmalade. Uh, kids are going off marmalade. What they're actually ending up doing, all these poor uh, children, is they're ending up with either chocolate spread, which I used to like, but uh, not now, or uh, peanut butter. And stuff like that. And we were trying to find out. And then we had a number of people writing in saying that they were buying marmalade and uh, they were buying it at, uh, at farmer's markets. And we had one lady in particular who makes marmalade and it's sold in farmer's markets. And her name's Annie Parsons. And somebody wrote in, and I think it was Brian in Ricelip, saying that he'd, uh, he'd bought this uh, homemade marmalade and she has a three-fruit marmalade. And I said, I bet you anything, Annie Parsons will be listening to this programme. Well, blow me down with a feather. Who was listening to the programme? Annie Parsons. And Annie, because she makes marmalade. 
And she says, on yesterday's broadcast, you read out an email from Brian in Ricelip about my homemade marmalades, and I heard you say you didn't know what citrus fruits are in a three-fruit marmalade. Generally, they would be orange, lemon, and grapefruit. And you really don't need to use Seville oranges, which are only readily available around January or February time. I really believe homemade marmalades have a far superior taste compared with commercially made ones, as they have a more generous fruit content. They're a bit of uh, labour of love taking about three hours from start to finish as I hand-prepare them, which involves squeezing the juices, cutting the peel before they're ready to cook, and apart from having them on toast, there are lots of ways. They make a great glaze for roasting, using them in cake-making, mixed with a little warm water to make a sauce, or try mixing with some whole-grain mustard to coat sausages before grilling, to name but a few. Interestingly, I've seen more and more children who do enjoy the taste of marmalade as they keenly tuck into my taste samples at Duck Pond Artisan Food market in Ricelip. It's lovely to see them trying new things. Have a jubilicious jubilee weekend. So Annie Parsons, you see, it's amazing, actually. It's, uh, you know, very, very good indeed. So as I say, we always, I always say things on the programme and then afterwards I go, I bet somebody's going to be listening. You know why? Because everybody's listening at this, this time. Everybody's absolutely listening now. And, and even if people aren't listening, they catch up with the podcast or failing that they phone their neighbours and they go, have you heard Steve's on? Steve's on now. And that's generally how it works, which is which is quite good. And I'm very grateful, actually. Works out beautifully for me. Uh, Buddy and Kent says, I used to listen to Talk, talk Sprot or something. Anyway, I don't know what that is. And he says all the time. But they've gone 24 hours of actually talking about sport. Oh, how dull. How dull. Oh, dear. Honestly. It's enough to make you sort of want to go out and drink non-stop lemon juice, ladies and gentlemen. They used to have very topical conversations. Ask Duncan Barks. I listen to you now because you're one funny man. There you go. Well, actually, to be honest with you, 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 you flip... I mean, I'd, I'd defy anybody. Flip round the radio stations. People always come back to LBC 97.3. You'll flip round and go, oh, that's nice. And here's Mantovani. You know, and it'll be somebody doing a hip-hop show or something at this time of the morning, which is very nice. I watch them doing it as I walk through the building thinking, ha, I've got the audience. Jean says, people have coloured water in their loo are hiding something. My loo is pristine white because I keep it clean. My, my loo is pristine as well but i like the colored water i like looking at the colored water i'm sorry about that i like blue water and joyce says i automatically wake up at four o'clock now just lay in bed and listen haven't we had enough volcanic dust without your ashes being scattered well there's not gonna be that much of it we could just sake there won't be a little bit i drink lemon water and feel better for it it is it is delicious and i tell you what i'm just gonna have a quick sip of it now just while we say morning john good morning steve morning so i just have a quick sip hold on yeah Oh, that's so much better. Thank you. Yes. Right, welcome to sunny Hounslow. Bless your heart. <laughs> yeah. Hounslow Steve, on sea. Do you like a nice fizzy drink with no sugar, Steve? I do. I can't... I, I don't take sugar. No, I know you don't. That's mm. what I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Um, right, I, I love lemon. Yes. Now, what I do, I have, I'll get the lemon, squeeze the lemon out, uh-huh. get the juice, or you can actually buy bottles of pure lemon juice in Marks and Spencer's. Can you? Yes, you can. Oh, Little right. bottles of pure lemon juice. Right. And I, I pour with it sparkling spring water. Now, right. there's no sugar in sparkling spring water. Right. It's just by, it's just carbonated water, spring water. And how, how much but, lemon juice do you put in? Are you putting in... I put, I put in about a quarter of a, quarter of a glass. Right, OK. As if, you're, as if you're making an orange squash. That's right, yeah. And then fill it up with sparkling spring water, and you've got a lovely fizzy lemon drink. It's really nice. Oh, that sounds nice. And you've got no worry of the sugar. And do, do, you, do you buy the sparkling water, or do you have a soda stream? Uh, well, I'd be quite honest, Steve. I'm delivered by the milkman because I'm disabled. I can't carry it home. Oh, right, OK. I'll get the milkman delivers it? Yeah, our milkman's great. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more expensive than the shop, but yeah. then you've got the inconvenience of carrying it all home, Yeah, you know? true, true. And, um, yeah, I get 500 millilitre bottles of Highland Springs sparkling. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're very lovely. good, yeah. Do you know, I'm, I'm, I can almost... I'm visualising a drink now, a tall glass with some lemon juice, the fizzy spring water and some ice cubes. That's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, you put ice cubes in it if you want to, yeah. Could it. you put a sprig of mint in there as well? I don't, I've never thought of it, actually, Steve. I I've only just it. thought of that now, because most gardens, whether you want it or not, have got mint growing somewhere. Pops yeah. up like wildfire. Yeah, we have some, yeah, yeah. Little, a sprig uh, of mint to go quite nicely in that, you yeah, know, Yeah, but it's a nice drink, Steve. And, um, you uh, know, uh, I always check the bottles, bottles of everything. To, I mean, Coca-Cola, I used to love all that, but yeah. there's sugar in it, so... I, I know. And, and if you drink the, the, um, 
the, the diet things, they've got sweeteners in them, which are no good for you anyway. Strangely enough, I was talking to somebody, when I, when, I, when I got diagnosed all those years ago, I haven't had Coca-Cola that often since. Occasionally I have it, but it's got to be chock-a-block with ice in the glass. Yeah, yeah. I love an ice drink. I love yeah. an ice drink. I've got to be honest, I like a Bacardi and Coke. But oh, how lovely. <laughs> how, not at this time in the morning, John. No, no, but you know, Steve, <laughs> I've got two bottles of Bacardi here that put people brought round for me because yeah. uh, I had a bad accident years ago and I can't get out now. And I don't like drinking that on my own. I like to be in company. Yeah. Oh, I can. So well, oh, I can well imagine a bottle of Bacardi. Well, I've got a, I'm lucky. I've got a friend who takes me out occasionally to the pub. You know, yeah. have a meal. Mm. Nice stuff. Uh, well, listen. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's lo- loads of people listening at the moment, John, and they'll be going. I can see that glass. I can see the condensation on the outside of the glass as you pour it in. We can hear that plink, plink fizz. You can hear. I mean, I, I can give you a. I can give you a rough go of it now. It's a bit like. Isn't that lovely? And it's. Thanks. That's probably a lot of you lying in bed now thinking, I need to go to the toilet rather quickly. <laughs> Sorry about that. And then you just squeeze the lemons. I've got, got my lemon here. You squeeze the juice in. And and actually, sometimes, I have done it before. I had it. I've still got the honey upstairs, but I had the Manuka honey for um, for my really bad throat, which cured it brilliantly. So now every, every two weeks I do Manuka honey. And I do that by itself. In fact, last week I was doing Manuka honey. This week I'm doing the lemons. So I, I like to alternate, so I don't sort of get addicted to one thing. And, uh, and it works a treat for me, but it, it does get you up in the morning. I know a lot of elderly people sort of wake up. You wake up early anyway, because the moment it gets light and the light starts coming through the curtains, you think, I think I'll just, I'm feeling that, I'll just turn the radio on and lie here. And if the moment somebody starts talking about cold drinks, you're lying and your mouth starts salivating. Your mouth starts, doesn't it? I bet there's half of you now going, I've got to get a glass of water. He's talking about drinks. Let's go and have a cup of tea. We'll make a cup of tea. About trains, the Jubilee line is one of the cleanest. It's got cleaners who hop on and off. Well, that's a brilliant idea. I love that idea. Cleaners hopping on and off. All in favour of that one, I'm afraid. Uh, Can't wait to see the square, says Sonia. Maybe the reason there are no benches, because they don't want those filthy people sitting and leaving rubbish behind. Well, it could be. But the whole idea of having benches is that you want people to sit down and take in the scenery. We had them there before. I don't know why we've not got them there now. It's nice to have it. You'll be hearing more about the new look Leicester Square in just a moment. So, those were my best bits from the week. James Max will be here from seven with the top stories of the day. And don't forget the full coverage of the Jubilee pageant here on LBC 97.3 throughout the day. Up next, I'm in conversation with Nick Moran and Richard Griffiths. But first of all, the news at six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen.